the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I have a confession to make. I'm left-handed. I'm actually a militant leftist. You see, my identical twin brother, who's here today, you can raise your hand, the guy that looks like me, he would always call me as an insult, lefty. Now you have to understand, if you're an identical twin, there's not a whole lot you can, you can insult your brother with that doesn't apply to you. But he's right-handed and I'm left-handed. So I became a militant leftist. I would always come up with these uh, retorts. And one of the comebacks that some of you may have heard before if you're left-handed is, left-handers are the only people in their right mind. <laughs> because the left brain controls the right side of the body, the right brain controls the left side of the body. And as you may know, the right brain's functions also associated with logic and with calculations and rational thinking. And the left brain's function is associated, I'm sorry, I, that's the other way around. The left brain is the rational, logical, calculating side. And the right brain is associated with creativity, with imagination, with intuition. Now that doesn't mean that only left-handed people are creative, nor that only right-handed people are rational. But nonetheless, there's a strong correlation between these things. The brain functions that we understand about the left and right brain, they inform our understanding of human life, of what it means to be a human, what we would call anthropology of a human, is that there's this left brain and the right brain and they act in these different ways. Now imagine being in a culture in which they don't know or recognize the left brain and the right brain characteristics or one that doesn't even notice left-handedness or right-handedness. Everyone just uses their hand and no one talks about it. It's kind of hard to imagine because these are aspects of who we are. You know, I'm left-handed, I'm right-handed. I'm a more rational person, I'm a more right-brained, left-brained person, or I'm a more right-brained person. Now take it a step further. Imagine that you're in a culture instead of not recognizing left and right brain, a culture that only counts four senses. Let's say they only count the sense of taste, the sense of sight, of touch, and of hearing. They don't recognize that our nose smells. If you were to come along and say, hey, your nose smells, they'd say, no, your nose is for breathing. Come on now. Or they might say that you're ignorant because you don't know what you're talking about. Or that if you said, no, you actually smell things, they say, no, that's just your mouth tasting the air. You could imagine how strange this would be, right? If we didn't recognize our sense of smell. It sounds crazy, right? Well, in fact, I'm describing exactly how things are for another aspect of human anthropology. You see, in addition to our five physical senses, we have another, a spiritual sense. And this sense within us is what we call our nous, N-O-U-S, nous. It's a Greek word. And just as the eyes see, the nose smells, the mouth tastes, the ears hear, the nous apprehends or perceives God. It's our God-sensing faculty. Imagine if we did not recognize all of the five senses. And this is how it is with our noose. 
because the noose in, in the West, which is our cultural inheritance, we have literally lost the noose in translation. It's a word that whenever it's translated into English, whether it's in the Bible, the patristic writings, it's always sort of an open question. What word are we going to use for this? Some translators use intellect. Some use reason. Some use mind. Some might even use heart. All these different translations for the word rather than bringing the word into English. And what's happened is that this aspect of ourselves, of our human person, doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. There's no word for it. Just like if there was no description for smelling, we wouldn't be smelling. It's hard to even imagine what that would be like. But this is what has happened. The reason that the noose has disappeared in the West is because of a different understanding of what it means to be a human being. When the word was translated originally from the Greek into Latin, the word that was used was intellectus. Intellectus, which of course is the cognate from where we get intelligence. It also is the word that we would use for mind. Because the mind in the West is the pinnacle of the person. Our thinking capacity is what makes us great, according to the thinking in the West. As a result, the heart, which in Orthodox anthropology is the seat of the noose, it's the seat of our divine perception, is our heart. In the West, the heart becomes the seat of emotionality, of our emotions. Because the mind is everything in the West. This goes back centuries. This goes back into the 8th century and scholasticism. When Europe was coming out of the Dark Ages, the theologians then were having this revitalization of theology. And they were looking back even to Greek philosophy. And they heavily incorporated Aristotle. Of course, Aristotle, like Socrates, like all of the Greek philosophers, used this word nous. So they said, what do we do with this? So they used the Latin word intellectus, and then thus became that our noose is our mind, is our thinking capacity. In fact, even today, this is, this is from Wikipedia, the definition of noose. Sometimes equated to intellect or intelligence, it's a concept from classical philosophy for the faculty of the human mind necessary to understand what is true or real. Alternative English terms used in philosophy include understanding, mind, or sometimes thought, or reason. You see, everything is related to our mind. And even in uh, Strong's uh, translation of the words of, of the New Testament, this is how he defines noose. The God-given capacity of each person to think, to reason, the mind, mental capacity to exercise reflective thinking, for the believer, noose is the organ of receiving God's thoughts through faith. Receiving God's thoughts. So what is the noose, in fact? The noose, seated in the heart, is exactly like our other senses. How do I sense smell? My nose smells. How do I sense God, his divine presence? It's through my noose, which is not emotion, not at all, because that's not actually what the heart is about. 
according to our orthodox anthropology. The heart is the place of the noose. This is the place where I see and perceive God himself. Because this had evaporated within the West, then everything became about the intellect, about the mind, rational thinking. And then the pendulum would swing the other direction. Then we have Pentecostalism and evangelicalism, which is much more about the emotional experience of things, because everything was so devoid from that. But it was still, it was trying to get away from pure intellect, but in the end it became more about emotion, centered on the experience of worship. So one might say, well, if faith isn't about knowledge and it isn't about a worship experience, what is it about? This gets us to St. Gregory Palamas, who we celebrate this day. St. Gregory Palamas in the 14th century, he was a monk on Mount Athos, and there was a certain man named Barlaam, a philosopher from the West, who came first to Mount Athos and then to Constantinople. He went to Mount Athos and he saw the monks who were deep in prayer, and he described them as belly gazers. And he said, the way that we know God is through our intellect, by learning more about God. And thus, the highest pursuit in knowing about God is knowledge. Whether that's reading more, learning more from others, knowledge is the way that we learn about God. This is what Barlaam said. And so St. Gregory Palamas, who was incredibly steeped in prayer and in experiencing the presence of God, having that experience of the divine light, like we read about in the, the Bible, in the lives of the saints. And so he came and he debated with Barlaam. And he said, no, actually, the way we experience God is through our noose. We experience him through the thing that he gave us to experience him, him with. And that experience of God does not require intellect. This is a very crucial difference. Intellect can help us, sure. Knowledge about God can help us. But knowledge about God is not knowing God. Knowledge about God is not knowing God. And this is a fundamental difference that has plagued the West ever since then is that knowledge about God, divine essence and divine energies, I won't go too deeply into that. You're welcome to read the front of the bulletin today to learn a little bit more about that. But suffice it to say, we can experience God truly, truly himself through his divine energies, which he pours out upon us as his grace. And the way that we receive that is through our noose. This is why so much in orthodoxy is about the heart. And many times in orthodox writings, the word noose or heart will be interchangeable. And this is because the noose resides within the heart. And so this is why we have, with the Jesus prayer is called what? The prayer of the heart. It's also called noetic prayer. Noetic is the adjective form of the word noose. Prayer of the noose. And there are many other examples within the life of the church where we talk about our heart, our noose. Because ultimately, our mind is to be subject to our heart. Now, if I say that and you think in any way, the way that we have been raised within the society we're in, we say mind is subject to the heart. We say, wait, so we're living by our emotions instead of our rational intellect? 
That's what we think. That's because we don't understand what the human person is. The heart is not the place of emotions. The mind is actually the place of emotions. This is where we're swirling around with all of the passions. I hate this. I have a passionate feeling towards that. I envy that. All the way, our mind is moving all around. It's like a dog, and we're trying to leash it, pull it back in. And this is where, in orthodox description, it's the mind descending into the heart. It's that the heart takes precedence, not the emotional center, but the noose. And so much of our spiritual lives is trying to rein in our mind, rein in our thoughts, not trust our thoughts, question our thoughts, rather to turn to prayer in place of our thoughts. If you think of the analogy with our other physical senses, like our, our nose, can you smell things very well if your nose is plugged? No. Can you sense God very well if your noose is clouded? No. So the fundamental work in our spiritual life is the cleansing of our heart, the cleansing of our noose. What happened in the gospel today, if you heard the, the gospel reading closely, is first he cleansed the man's noose, then he cleansed his body. First he healed his noose, then he healed his body. Because he said to the man, your sins are forgiven. What does that mean? The brokenness that is in you is healed. And this is our work of repentance. Our work of repentance is to say to God, here's my brokenness, take this. Lord, have mercy on me. And then God in his response says, I give you mercy. I forgive your sins. And in this way, our noose is cleansed so that we can all the more sense God. It's like our nose being unplugged, if you will, our spiritual nose. And so everywhere we read about a heart being purified. In the uh, prayers of preparation for communion, we read Psalm 23, and it says, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to what is false. And in the Beatitudes, our Lord most memorably says, blessed are the pure in heart. This purity of heart, this simplicity, you see what a contrast this is, that we need to know God with our intellect and learn more about God versus the focus upon healing our heart, purifying our heart, which is not something that requires education at all. What it requires much more is humility. Humility is that thing which is needed to purify. And this is why in the church we don't throw around the word theologian. Theologian is not someone with academic degrees. Theologian is someone who has a heart so pure that they experience God. And through that experience of God, what comes forth from them is deep and profound theological knowledge, like John the theologian and evangelist in the Gospel of John. St. Gregory the theologian, St. Simeon the new theologian. These are those who have become so immersed in God's grace, whose noose has been cleansed, that then what comes out of them is true theology, true knowledge of God. Our noetic perception is the most important thing in our existence.
Added prayers are to purify my heart. Prostrations are to purify my heart. Acts of mercy and kindness and forgiveness are to purify my heart. This is the purpose of Lent. This is the purpose of our spiritual lives. So may we, even though we live in this Western culture that we've inherited, may we not forget what the human being really is. The human being is a person with a noose that desires God. And our role is to cleanse our heart, cleanse our noose, so that we can experience God. Amen. I remind you that we're following the liturgy of St. Basil the Great, which you can follow along in this booklet as well. Let us all say with our whole soul, with our whole mind, let us say, Lord, Almighty God of our fathers, we pray to you, hear us and have mercy. 